Up next is Pete's Ponderings on RCR, Reality Check Radio. Pete's Ponderings is a selection of Pete's candid commentary on everyday issues for Kiwis, taken from his show, Afternoons. Listen to the live broadcast of Peter Williams' Afternoon Show at 1pm, Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays, right here on RCR, Reality Check Radio. Here I go again. I hope you had a great Easter break and that you're all enjoying another short working week, except if you have uh, kids at home on school holidays and they might be driving you mad. Uh, Talking of which, I hear that a lot of schools are not actually going back to class on the 24th of April, which is the first Monday after the holidays. Uh, That's because the next day is Anzac Day. And schools apparently don't want a disrupted start to the new term, so they're giving kids another day off and won't start until Wednesday the 26th of April. I mean, you hear about decisions like that and you wonder why our education standards are dropping. Already this year there have been teacher-only days, a teacher's strike, most schools have had a sports day, and uh, where I live in Otago there's been anniversary day as well, and there's more strikes to come. Students around here already have had a week off this year, So, well, they might as well have another day off because it's inconvenient to go back to school for one day after the holidays before Anzac Day. I mean, that's bollocks, isn't it? You can't learn if you're not at school. But it seems there's a lot of teachers and school principals who seem to have forgotten a pretty basic concept. You know, there was one aspect of Easter this year which still annoys the heck out of me. I bought a couple of packets of Easter eggs at our local New World last week and noted that still these days they are not called Easter eggs, they're just called eggs. Isn't that pathetic? They're the marshmallow type, of course, they still taste great, but they're only being sold because it's Easter, and they've been called Easter eggs for 200 years. But nowadays, in silly, woke New Zealand, they're just called eggs. Now, this is a throwback to the days when Susan DeVoy was the Race Relations Commissioner and decided that we shouldn't make too big a deal of Christmas and Easter anymore because it's not inclusive. We have many people from other religions and other cultures now living in New Zealand, she said, and they might feel left out. Well, that might be right, although I doubt a New Zealand Muslim would be upset by the Easter holiday. Uh, Those immigrants came here of their own choice to start a new life in a new land. They still practice their own religions, and nobody gets in their way. Modern New Zealand was formed on Judeo-Christian structures and the Gregorian calendar. That means Christmas, and it means Easter. It's a schedule that's worked pretty darn well for hundreds of years. So why do government officers want to interfere and keep us from enjoying simple things like buying Easter eggs and calling them that as well? Uh, I was flicking through my local paper, the Otago Daily Times, on Saturday. Came across a big advertisement on page 23 about new rules and regulations for gun owners and how guns and ammunitions must be stored and transported from now on and about how there'll be a gun register from June of this year. To be honest, I don't think it'll make much difference to the general population's behaviour with guns and the gangs, uh, of course, won't pay any attention to it. But what got on my work was the authorising authority for the advertisement in the paper, written in bold print down the bottom of the uh, advertisement. It was a big ad uh, in the ODT. Written in bold print was 
te kawanatanga o Aotearoa. In small print underneath was the New Zealand government. So it's come to this, it seems. Official government advertising is looking to downplay and change the official name of this country, and they're doing it without asking me and you. Up until I saw that ad in Saturday's paper, my impression has been that New Zealand is the primary name used in government documents and government advertising. But it seems no more. Te Kawanatanga o Aotearoa, in bold print, New Zealand government in small print. I mean, what is the end game here? And does any politician have the courage to stop it? Or at least ask us what we think of the idea? Will David Seymour have the courage of his convictions and insist on that referendum to remove all references to the Treaty of Waitangi from government legislation? And while we're at it, uh, let's have a vote on what we call this country as well. I love the, the funny stories that appear in local papers every now and then. And the, the funniest one over the Easter weekend down in the south of the country where I am, it would have to be the trouble being caused by a naked walker on the beach at Kaka Point. For those of you who don't know, Kaka Point is near Belclutha in South Otago. So there is this bloke called Lloyd Bonner. He's a farmer from near Gore. And he likes to walk on the beach at Kaka Point with no clothes on. But there's a woman there who doesn't like him doing it. So after complaints to the police and a court case, which has found that Mr. Bono's uh, activity is lawful, this resident, a Mrs. Rutherford, has complained to the Independent Police Conduct Authority. I don't quite know how a naked walker fits in with the IPCA's remit, but whatever. Uh, there are a couple of other Kaka Point residents who are 83 years of age. They're June and Ian Kruger. And they say they won't go down to the beach now in case they're met with a nasty surprise. Now, I presume they mean a naked Mr. Bonner would be categorised as a nasty surprise. This all proves two things, I think. Number one, prudery is alive and well at Kaka Point. And two, not surprisingly for a gore farmer, Lloyd Bonner is a hardy soul. I mean... Kaka Point is not in the tropics, is it? Especially at this time of the year. The surfers wear wetsuits even in the middle of summer. Mr and Mrs Kruger might get a surprise encountering Mr Bonner on the beach with no clothes on, but I suspect it won't really be a nasty surprise. Uh, last week, I saw a class project that Year 9 students at an unnamed high school are being presented with. Now, Year 9 is the old third form, 12 and 13-year-olds. The lesson is called... Who am I? The learning outcomes will be that students can tell the difference between gender and sexuality. Students will be able to list the different terms people use for gender and sexual identities and identify that gender and sexual identities can change. This, remember, is for 13-year-olds. In the background information, students are told that, quote, while many assume gender is fixed or stable, it is actually a social construct. It can be helpful to think of it as sex is between your legs and gender is in your head and heart. This for 13-year-olds, mind you. They go on to say that assigned sex is a label you are given at birth. Gee, I thought it was about whether you had X or Y as your second chromosome when you're being formed in the womb. But no, we are assigned a gender at birth. It doesn't say, of course, who is doing the assigning. 
This is what we are teaching to 13-year-olds in a country with drastically declining standards in reading, writing and maths. We are spending time in the classroom on gender identity, telling children that gender and sexual identities can change. Why are we doing this? Why are we instilling gender identity thoughts and the associated mental health problems into young minds at such an impressionable age? This is indoctrination on a grand, grand scale. The National Party education policy that we've talked about here before has much to recommend in that it says what should be taught. They should now go a step further and say what should not be taught. Look, this might be worth examining in year 13 when students are more mature as 17 and 18-year-olds, but frankly, not as what we used to call third formers. This is Reality Check Radio, RCR, the Peter Williams Afternoon Show. Now, remember five years ago and how the census was generally regarded as a failure, a debacle, because not enough people took part and uh, not enough people sent their papers back. The final count in the end was 83.3% of the population. Every other census in the last 25 years has uh, had over a 92% return. The then chief statistician, Liz McPherson, lost her job. or oh, she got moved sideways inside the public service. Uh, the stats minister, James Shaw, was heavily criticised. So what about this year? It's over a month since the census was supposed to be finished, March the 7th, and the number of people who have sent the forms back is just 78.1%. There is still, still time left, of course, and God knows uh, we're faced with all this advertising telling us that there is time to still get our forms back in. But let me make a prediction here. The final number of census forms collected will not reach even the number of 83.3% of 2018. And I'll tell you why. More and more people in New Zealand just don't trust the government with their personal information. More and more people don't want the government to know what their income is, what their gender is, how many children they've had, and so on and so forth, even though the government can find all this out anyway. Trust in the government and in the state machine is at an all-time low. And even though the census form says the information you provide is guaranteed private, there are a lot of people who just don't trust the government. So they're not filling in the forms. All I can say is good luck to the stats department to get the number of forms returned over 83.3% of 2018, because I don't think they will reach that number. Well, the government loves to control and scare us, don't they? I mean, what a nonsense this continuing of the seven days COVID isolation is. And so is the continuing insistence on people having to wear masks in certain places. Now, I will accept that each of us has, uh, has had a different experience with COVID, but hasn't it been for a long time just a bit of a cough and a sniffle that most people don't bother too much about? If you feel a bit under the weather these days, you're supposed to report yourself and go and live like a hermit for a week. In a country of workforce shortages is not doing much for productivity, is it? I reckon this latest edict will have fewer and fewer people even bothering to take a test. If they have a sniffle, they'll just be sensible and thoughtful of others, rest up, take the vitamin C and stay out of others' way. And as for this organisation called COVID-19 Modelling Aotearoa that I heard being quoted for the first time yesterday, is it yet another government agency designed to just scare us even more? 
It says if we had ended this seven-day mandatory isolation period yesterday, then there could be there could be a 25% increase in hospitalizations and deaths within six months. Scary stuff. But didn't we stop paying attention to modeling a long, long time ago? Around the time we were told the virus would cause 80,000 deaths? You're listening to Pete's Ponderings on RCR, Reality Check Radio. Now, you have to love the style of the Auckland Mayor Wayne Brown, don't you? To be honest, I don't know whether Auckland is a better or a worse place to live now than six months ago uh, when he was first elected as the mayor. But he certainly knows how to press the right buttons with those who voted for him. He made a speech yesterday in front of a whole lot of people who have important positions, and he absolutely stuck it to them. He referenced the boss of the Underground Rail Project and then said, it's not a bad project, you know, uh, only that we hope we live long enough to get to the end of it. He asked the head of Auckland Transport why there were rows of road cones on Victoria Street protecting two parked utes with no one working nearby. In the middle of the day, he reckoned that was unacceptable. And he's absolutely right, isn't he? And he also reckoned that MB, the Ministry of Business, Innovation and Employment, was actually set up to prevent those three very things happening. And he said the government's new harbour crossing and light rail options were not real. They were just imaginary things. Yes, he's full of bluster, but he's a realist, isn't he? He's a politician who comes from the private sector and he knows he's working with other people's money and he wants it used wisely and efficiently. And you know what? That is hitting a very sweet spot with a lot of his voters. The editor of Business Desk, Patrick Smalley, reckons he's got the inside oil on what the government's going to do with its plans for three waters. The end result seems to be that instead of four of these water services entities, there are going to be 10 of them. Now, is this really going to make any difference at all to the outcomes? Is there really going to be any more local accountability? Will councils, who currently own the assets in the real sense, have any proper powers of ownership under this new model? The answers to those questions, I suggest, will be no, no, and no. There is still the structure of these regional representation groups under which iwi will effectively have a power of veto and the ability for iwi and hapu to make tamana otawai statements, which the entities must by law give effect to, is going to remain. And this is where the real power of this water services legislation lies, by having only iwi and hapu able to make these statements, which the entities must obey, means that iwi and hapu have effective control over our water supplies and systems, and don't let anyone tell you any different. Look at sections 140 and 141 of the Act, which was passed last year. If this government makes some changes from four water services entities to 10, believe me, it is just window dressing. You've been listening to Pete's Ponderings on RCR, Reality Check Radio. Remember, you can catch Pete's full show combining smooth sounds and candid commentary on everyday issues for Kiwis and the Peter Williams Afternoon Show on our live broadcasts 1pm Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays right here on RCR Reality Check Radio.